Welcome to Insider Coaching for Educators, where we explore the insider knowledge coaches gain from doing the work with diverse groups of teachers and educational leaders. Join us in mindfulness practice and conversation to delve into those pieces of insider knowledge that we've all learned along the way. Whether you've been coaching for one month or for 20 years, we're so glad you're here and are thrilled to be learning with and from you. Hi, I'm Laura Lang. And I'm Nicole Hester. And we're talking to you today from South Central Wisconsin, USA, where the leaves are just starting to change color. In episode one, we explored the reason behind why there's no one best way to coach. And today, in episode two, we'll discuss why we need to identify our core beliefs and values and how that distinguishes good coaching from great coaching. Last episode, we invited you to share your pieces of insider coaching knowledge with us, and we'll start by sharing one of those. Yeah, I heard back from Jackie in Middleton. She's an elementary school coach, and she shared that one of the learnings that she had was to resist the urge to view coaching as a linear and tidy process, and that any tools, templates, and trainings that make coaching appear that way are not accurately portraying the work. Navigating and living within the complexities is, in fact, the work. Thank you, Nicole. And thank you, Jackie. What, that's so true, right? So wise and so fits into what we were talking about last week, the idea that like these tools are important, but they don't tell the whole story. Because, as Jackie said, coaching really isn't a black and white or linear process, we really do need to be grounded in those core values and beliefs around our work. And so to help us do that today, Nicole is going to lead us, as she will in each episode, in a short mindfulness practice. Thank you all for being here. If you're in a place where you can uh, take a seat do that. If you are already seated, shift yourself in your seat a little bit so you're sitting a bit more on the edge and your feet are firmly connected to the ground. If you can close your eyes safely or if it feels comfortable for you, go ahead and close your eyes. And with each exhale, feel yourself releasing into the ground, into your chair, down through the bottom of your feet. As you inhale, feel your chest lift and your heart brighten. And then move into that space of your heart. Find the place deep inside where your most true self resides. Call her or him forth. Let them be present with you as you listen with each exhale. Let a little more of the outside world go 
And with each inhale, let that deep you shine a little brighter. If it's safe for you to do so, go ahead and place your hands over your heart. Bow your head to that very core part of you that is showing up. And thank yourself for being here in this time, in this place, ready and open to receive. As you exhale, let your hands float down to your lap. Inhale, lift your chin and gently open your eyes. Thanks so much, Nicole. Um, you use the term deep you in your meditation, and I think that was just so perfectly suited for the conversation we're going to have today about a coach's core beliefs and values. And where do those come from? And I'm excited to hear a little bit about where, um, what your journey has been. Yeah, it's been long, I feel like. I think when I first got into teaching, my why was all about, like initially as a science teacher, my why was really about um, young women and making them feel successful and competent and capable in science classes. And then it sort of morphed from there to be a bit more inclusive um, and was much more about like students who are not tradi traditionally well served by schools. And I think that as I was coaching that that really became a very important piece of why, like making sure that we, we helped everybody grow. And so my job as a coach or my, my most important thing as a coach would, was to help teachers grow so that they could expand their really like hearts and minds to help all of their students grow. And I think like you, um, my, as a classroom teacher, and even in the first few years of my coaching work, my focus was really on supporting the students who'd been traditionally marginalized in schools. Mm -hmm. But the farther I got into my coaching work, I realized very clearly that just providing strategies for the students weren't going to bring about the kind of systems level change that was truly going to make school a more equitable, um, supportive, um, effective place for not only students, but also the teachers within those. Yeah, I think I learned really quickly that if we weren't focused on heart, like it was, it really became heart work for me that it wasn't about strategies and tools. It was about like helping people re recognize that we're all humans who all require love and compassion and are all capable of growth. And anything that gets in the way of that needs to be fixed or removed or changed in some manner. I love that term, heart growth. <laughs> you know, how and how as a coach do we really make that central right? To our practice. Right. And it sounds easier 
<laughs> than it is, I would imagine. Um, did you feel like once once you had established that as your why for your coaching, did you feel like you were in a space where you could accomplish that? Uh, <laughs> sometimes. I think that, you know, it's it requires a a lot of vulnerability from the people on the other end of the conversation. Um, not the other, I almost said the other side of the table, but they're not really on the other side of the table. They're usually right there next to me. Um, so it requires them to really be willing to open up. And I certainly found that as I opened up and came from a more heartfelt place, I got more people to open up, but I don't necessarily think that schools are the most, mm, I don't know what the word is exactly. I don't think that they're necessarily designed for people to want to share their struggles and share what they're not really comfortable with or good at. I think there's a lot of like, let me tell you about what's going well. And it's harder to not only say what's going wrong, but like what feels wrong. That's, that's so important. And I think that really depends upon a strong, supportive, collaborative culture that embraces vulnerability. Yeah. And that um, celebrates and celebrates vulnerability, but also one that celebrates failure. Yeah. And that's just hard to create. And, you know, it's also a really difficult balance. And I, I'm sure that you've had experience with this, like, I wanted to share things that didn't go well for me, but also I have to like have some credibility. So it can't just all be like, here's all the times I screwed up because then why are you listening to me? Because I also have to have some times that things went well or that worked, right? So I think that it always feels a little bit like a fine balance and a little, at least for me, harder with adults, much easier for me when I was a classroom teacher to tell my class about all of the ways that I'd screwed up within the 90 minutes we spent together, <laughs> but like a little bit harder with peers, I think. I, I agree, especially I think as you're getting started as a new coach, mm -hmm. um, whether you've been in the system as a teacher that you are, will be starting coaching in or whether you're coming in as an external coach, I think there is, um, it's very hard to establish your credibility yeah. Uh, in that new role, in a way that enables people to see you as somebody who knows what you're doing, but isn't necessarily an expert in the way that, um, in, in a way that's going to turn them away. Yeah, so much. And I think that that's why it is really important to have that strong sense of why and be able to communicate it really well with the people you're working with. Cause I think if they know like, you know, that you're here to look for where the system isn't working well and how to help them shift the system, whether it's within their classroom, cause sometimes that's the only place that teachers can really feel like they have a strong impact. Right. But they can change the system of their classroom. Um, if they know that that's what it's about, I think it's easier to then like buy into the work that's being done. I think so 
And I think that if we really are very clear as coaches on what our why is, then we can make very deliberate choices in terms of where we spend our time that allows us to foster those spaces that we know will allow to create, will allow teachers to create change. And also maybe allow us to feel more confident saying no. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. For to the sure. requests that we get that don't allow us to really achieve that why that we've established for ourselves. Yeah, I feel like that was something that came for me at least after I'd had a few probably years of coaching under my belt. Like at first, anytime anyone asked me anything, I was like, yeah, I can do that. Yeah, I can do that. Yeah, I can do that. Because I need to be doing something because otherwise I feel like I'm just like sitting here waiting for something, you know? So it's like, oh, you need puzzle pieces cut out? Sure, I'll come help you do that. That's not really, I mean, it's relationship building, but you know, like as I went on, I got better at like, I can help you with that for a little bit, but can we have a conversation while we're doing it? Or, you know, like some other things that were, I got much clearer on saying no to teachers, but I think more importantly, even saying no to administrators. And I I just actually had an interaction yesterday with a individual who just starting a coaching role, though he's had many administrative positions, both at the school level and the district level. And shifted back to coaching because he wanted to have more. Um, he wanted to have more on the ground experiences with his teachers. And he said, "I'm spending the first month, you know, just building relationships and interacting with people, and so doing things that might not be officially within a coaching role mm-hmm. job description, but that are going to allow me ultimately to have some of those hard conversations." Yeah, it's it's so important to to keep that up. And I think if you're coming from a a relationship first place, which it sounds like both you and I and this coach that you were just talking about are like, you do need to do stuff that's not directly connected to your role, but it is connected to your why. I think that that's the, the key. Like you're not doing things that aren't connected to why you got into this, but you are doing things that are like, yeah, technically not really what I should be doing. I think that's a really, really good point. And um, I guess one of the things that I have become even clearer about in terms of my my own why mm-hmm. is that um, it is absolutely essential for us to create systems that honor and value the people within them. And as a coach, that is my primary responsibility mm-hmm. to create situations and spaces in which the teachers I'm working with feel valued, feel respected, and feel like they have opportunities to collaborate in a really um, innovative, supportive ways with their colleagues, uh, ways that allow them to remain curious and to allow them to remain creative. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, yeah. And um, I've seen that happen um, many, many times in the team coaching work that I've been doing the last few years. And I'm so grateful that I've had the opportunity to do that because um, really my focus shifts instead of how can I work with this individual teacher to how can I make sure that the team 
is functioning effectively mm-hmm. in a way that can cre- that that truly can create those curious creative conversations around instruction and how to address some really tough challenges that teachers are facing. Yeah, I I feel like in the coaching of teams like the goal really is like I'd like to create this place and this structure and this time such that eventually I don't even need to be part of the conversation. Like that you guys get so good at asking the difficult questions of one another and holding space for one another that I no longer need to be here. Like I would love to be able to coach my way out of necessity. I'm chuckling because I've said that quite a few times to my groups that, you know, I know I've been successful as a coach when you don't need me anymore. Right. Like when I'm like, oh, I was going to say that, but you just did. So great. (laughs) And I think that for me, at least that's, um, I have really, to some extent, transitioned my work lately. Um, I work with, I've been working with one district for almost five years now. Mm -hmm. And so my role has transitioned to one of supporting the coaches and the team leaders Mm -hmm. more so than I'm supporting the teams themselves. Although I still try to do that in a limited fashion, but, um, I just, I'm grateful for the opportunity to do, to do that. Yeah. I think that that's like, that's when you know that systems have started to shift and cultures have started to shift. Like when, when it's happening and you can kind of start slowly tiptoeing away. (laughs) Wow. We sure had a lot to talk about in regards to our core values and how they impact our coaching. I think what we need to do is pause here and then we can come back next episode and finish the conversation. That sounds great. Thanks again for joining us today. Um, At the end of the first episode, we asked you to record one piece of insider knowledge that you've gained about coaching. This week, we're going to ask you to examine that piece of insider knowledge with a different lens. What values and or beliefs about coaching, about teaching, about students, or about your system are present within that piece of knowledge that you've gained? Please share that with us on our social media. We are Insider Coaching for Educators. That's the number four on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook. And you can check us out on our website as well. Insider Coaching for Educators. Number, not letters. Thanks so much. See you next episode.